laugh at this next part. In a world of political correctness and cancel culture, two comedians have risen up to prove that with the right angle, anything can be funny. This is You Can't Laugh at That. Who writes these? Huh? We should have this person locked up and looked at. Live from Golden Ox Studios in Cleveland, Ohio, it's Steve Mers and David Horning on this week's episode. I always tell people, like younger comments will be like, they ask for advice or whatever. And, I'll, um, and I mean younger in the sense of uh, less experienced. That's right. a word I need to take out of my vocabulary. Yeah. Um, but they'll, I always tell them, like, people need one reason not to book you. Just one. Whether it's that you're late or you run the light or you are rude to the staff or whatever it might be. Whatever it is, they need one reason. Don't give it to them. Just don't give it to him. Just don't give anybody a reason not to book you. And booze became the reason not to book me. So then I was like, well, we're done with that. Like, I, I'm, I'm not going to give you that reason, you know? Can't get enough of You Can't Laugh at That? Check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash you can't laugh pod. And when you become a patron, you'll get exclusive access to deleted footage from every episode. You'll be the talk of the town. Your friends will think you're the coolest person ever. Patreon.com forward slash you can't laugh pod. Find all sorts of new reasons to laugh at your friends for not being as cool as you. Welcome to You Can't Laugh at That, the podcast where we take topics that you can't laugh at and we find ways to laugh at them in our never-ending quest to prove that anything can be funny. With us today, filling in for the absent Steve Mers, who's on set somewhere, probably uh, helping somebody record their first OnlyFans video, <laughs> uh, but that's fine because we have Jeremy Demery filling in. Jeremy, how's it going in the studio? I just learned what uh, OnlyFans is yesterday so feeling pretty good with life yeah. <laughs> people no, who talk no, about it nice. i just pretend like i knew what the fuck they were saying you're just nodding along like, and now oh, you're banking i thought it was empty. honestly i thought it was something to do with sports because mm. i know so little about sports as well so i assumed it, like it was it like uh, like dual fans or fan duels or whatever the fuck yeah. that is yeah oh we're betting on sports yeah <laughs> Oh, this is just the ad where, oh, she's naked. I was like, a monthly subscription for betting? What? <laughs> <laughs> That's weird. And you know who doesn't need a monthly subscription for betting? Mary Santora, our guest today. <laughs> that could have gone. That is where you're wrong. Um, actually, <laughs> I like the idea of like dueling fans is what you called it. And then it's like two OnlyFans chicks who duel over like their followers, like their yeah. subscribers. New website. And then idea. we just bet on who gets the most subscribers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> just like, look, look what I can do with this tennis racket. And then and here it brings we go. a whole new meaning to what's the spread. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the topic today is not only fans, although we could probably do it. We or, could do a whole episode on that. Or downstairs this. DJ uh, duels. <laughs> what? Think about What'd it. What'd you say? Downstairs DJ duels. You know what I mean? Looks like they're doing DJ sets down there. Oh, <laughs> gross. <laughs> 
So Mary is joining us today. Uh, Mary is a Cleveland comedian. She's been at it uh, about nine years now. And uh, what, what got you into to comedy in the first place? What was the, the thing that made you say, oh, I'm funny and I want to make other people think um, Honestly, it was never like a, I mean, I've always been interested in comedy. I liked Who's Line growing up and like my mm. sister and I would like play the games along with them and stuff like that. So I've always loved comedy and funny things, but I didn't see stand up until I was in college. And um, it was this little club in Toledo that doesn't exist anymore. I went to the University of Toledo um, called Connections Comedy Club. And I was like, oh, shit, like, this is great. And then, um, you know, from there, I when people would come to the school and I would, like, look into it. And then uh, a friend of mine was on a, like, board for her um, business. For, it was, like, a mixed um, gender business fraternity. So they, like, all the kids from the business part of the school put together this student stand-up competition called Last Rocket Standing. And so I, um, she was like, hey, there's, a bu- there's nine guys and no girls, and there's ten slots, so if you want to do it, like, I know you're interested in comedy. So, like, she kind of pushed me into it, and then um, I did it, and it was amazing. But, like, it's funny because my first time on stage wasn't, like, some shitty open mic at a bar. It was, uh, it was in front of a couple hundred students in the student union of a college, so it was pretty cool. Um, and it was awesome. And then after that, I joined a stand-up class out in Toledo. And then, uh, yeah, kind of the rest is history. Just did open mics and yada, yada, yada from there. So when you left Toledo and you came back to Cleveland, were you just hitting mics? Or did it, was there like a, a gap? No, I never, I never took much time off up until um, like 2004. 15, 16, uh, well, 2016 mostly is when I was like, the only time I've ever taken time off. But um, yeah, as soon as I got back into town, I was looking up open mic showcases, whatever I could get my hands on. Um, and I was bombing so hard when I got back to Cleveland. Like it was, I almost quit. I was doing so mm-hmm. poorly because <laughs> it was just terrible. I could not get these crowds to laugh at me. Like no one gave a shit about what I had to say. I was just feeling so beat down and upset. And um there was a, it was probably a couple months coming back here that it was just like bomb after bomb after bomb. And I'm like, what am I doing with my life? Like, this is so stupid. Um, but I'm glad I didn't quit. But yeah. What was it that pushed you through? Honestly, I feel like you have those, that one good set that'll keep you going for like a month. You know what I mean? Like yeah. where you just get up and everything, the stars align and everybody's super into it and they're laughing at setups and, and those like killer feelings when everything goes right or like um, winning a competition or like anything like that. Like those little things that'll push you through like 10 bombs worth because <laughs> you're like, all right, well, I remember what that felt like. And then you're like chasing it. It's very much so like an addiction, like getting high or anything like that, where you're just like, oh, I love that feeling so much. I'll do anything to feel like that again. Right. You'll even, I mean, even even if you have to spend the whole next day hungover, you're like, oh, yeah. oh, oh, this like one thing that was super fun or that went well. Like I have a habit of when I bomb, I will find the one thing that works like yeah. and focus on that. See, I'm the opposite. (laughs) I'll have like a pretty good set and I'll focus on the one joke that didn't land. Oh, I do that too. (laughs) I do that too. I like, you can't win. I I can't win. (laughs) I bomb. I find the one thing that works and I'll build around that. I do great. I find the one thing that doesn't work and I like focus on that. It's right. Yeah. It's an exercise and I don't know, futility or or self, uh, (laughs) self immolation. But uh, speaking of, Hangovers, I feel like that's a pretty decent segue, kind of natural. Um, 
that takes us to today's topic, uh, which is alcoholism, alcohol uh, addiction, things like that, which is a topic that, uh, I mean, you, you take it in stride and uh, I love your, your material on it. Um, kind of take us through your uh, journey through that. So I've always been a heavy drinker and I always like, I always talked, I was never shy with it on stage, but it wasn't about being, it being like a problem. Um, one of the first long form jokes that I wrote was this big act out of me being drunk and like, um, I would close on it. I probably closed on it for two years, to be honest with you, where it was this long thing and I did the drunk girl voice and I'm going through this whole scenario and I end up in the lap of an audience member and I would chug a beer off somebody's table and it was like this whole big thing. And it just destroyed every time I did it. And it was so great. And I'm like, that's when I was like, oh, this is so relatable. Like everybody drinks, right? So I would, and I bartended too. So I've, I have extensive knowledge from both being a drunk and being a bartender of like that kind of that world, if that makes sense. And then um, it was always kind of like a through line or something that I mentioned or talked about. And then I got sober about two years ago. But this is my third, this was my 16, 17, my fourth attempt at, at quitting drinking was the one that actually stuck. So 2016, 17, I did it as a New Year's resolution. Um, and I made it like two months each year. So I would kind of start to play around with jokes about not drinking then. But it was more or less like, it wasn't, I'm an alcoholic, I have a problem. It was like, oh, I'm doing a sober month. How stupid is that? And like poking fun at it. Um, and then in 2019, when it, I became like a lifestyle and I was like, oh, this is like way more difficult than I thought it was going to be to make this funny. Because once you like accept the fact that, okay, I have an addiction, I have a problem. This is something that isn't funny. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like ruining my life and, right. uh, like every bad thing that has ever come has come from drinking. Once you have that realization, then it kind of shifts inside you where you're like, Oh shit, we're not just talking about a sober October anymore. Like this is it. Now we have to kind of get into what's going on and how to take that inside you really, well me, and make it funny to me. Like how to, how to take these ideas and these things where they go from like, ha ha, everybody drinks and we all get a little too drunk sometimes to like, no, but you're ruining your life. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, like it's, it's a weird shift inside that happened inside me where it was like a permanency thing that now I have to kind of look at it from a different angle, if that makes sense. Yeah. When you kind of hold up that mirror and you're able to actually see what you're doing, like, I mean, I've done it a few times where I've quit drinking. I mean, I, I didn't drink for five months of last year, which was great, but uh, I've, I have a diff totally different strategy. I've made up an alter ego who I hate, like city Dave is a piece of shit. We don't want city Dave. And like, so when I start is drinking city a little Dave bit, drinking Dave, City Dave is is like be past the point of no return, Dave. Okay. Like I, I don't go by Dave. When when mm -hmm. people meet me, they're like, "Oh, do you go by Dave or David?" I'm like, "I don't know. Call me whatever you want." But most people just naturally transition to David from yeah. You know, they add the extra syllable. They're like, "Oh, that's not that that much work." But um, yeah. So so I'll have like two bourbons, just neat, and that's it because I can sip them and drink them slow, and then maybe a beer. But once that beer comes out, I, I feel a little bit of City Dave, and I'm like, "I gotta go." It's, it's time to, it's time to get out of here. Like that's my, that's my fail safe. And eventually, you know, I, I don't, I, I plan on quitting drinking cause it's, I mean, it's better for you health wise and like you make better decisions. Um, but kind of talk through, you know, you, you had these sober months and you didn't take them seriously and you talk about them on stage. Like 
when did you realize that the things I'm doing are funny, but the thing itself isn't? I think it's um, it's a denial thing. You know what I mean? Where you're just like, I was young too. So, well, younger, you know, um, when I was really partying, I had just gotten out of college. I just started stand up. I was bartending. I'm like, I'm 23. Like, you know, so you don't think it's a problem. It's I'm, a, I'm all my friends are out doing the same things. We're all drinking till 6 a.m. Everybody's doing Coke till first call. You know what I mean? Like when you're in that group and then you, you know, everybody's kind of doing, you don't think anything of it. And then it's when it, when it started to become like a, uh, I don't even want to say a dependency because I wasn't someone who had to drink every single day. My problem is that I was a binge drinker. I could go two weeks without drinking and I wouldn't, it wouldn't phase me. But my thing is that once I started, I couldn't stop. So like you describe having two bourbons and a beer and calling it quits. That's when I would flip the switch and it was time to party where it was like, okay, I'm feeling good. We're going to start doing shots. And then it's like, it, uh, it was just very, actually very much so like a light switch where I would go from fine and drunk and having fun to just immediately blacked out and not remembering the night before. So it was, I think the frequency, frequency of it, um, when it went from partying and hanging out and everybody's cool to like, now I'm doing this four nights a week and now it's getting in the way of work and now it's getting in the way, like it's getting in the way of my daily life functions it's not funny anymore. It's not cute. You're 27. You're not 22. You know what I mean? You're throwing mm-hmm. up in the bathroom at work. Like, that's not just having fun at happy hour. You know, mm-hmm. so when it starts, started to, like, interfere in my daily life is when I was like, hey, maybe this is something that we should look into, you know? And as far as, like, transitioning that on stage, I feel like even now I still kind of try to hide behind the kitschy, like, ha, 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 just, it's so, so sobriety's dumb. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh which very recently I've made that switch from being like, oh my God, I'm so bored all the time. Like, why did I quit drinking? And like, even a year and a half in, I'm like, well, that's not really the truth because I'm very happy. I am bored, but I'm very happy that I quit drinking. And it is the best thing that's ever happened to me. And actually the clip that I sent you guys is like the first tag that I've kind of dipped my toe in that pool because I feel like it's also kind of hard because so many people drink and so many people party that you don't want to come off as judgy or as like, I'm better than you because I'm sober. So you kind of got to like, it's very touchy. You got to find a way to maneuver around it with like being self-deprecating, but also acknowledging the fact that it was a really good, healthy decision, but not making people feel bad about this. It's very, um, it's waters that I'm still navigating, to be honest with you. It, it, there's so much nuance to it because you do have to connect with the people because you're at a comedy club. So pe- most people are drinking. And They're all like, drinking. Yeah. For you to get up there and be like, how dare you? <laughs> you know, but that's the thing gone. is you can't come at it like that. You got to be right. like, oh, you know, and people usually clap when you're like, oh, I've been sober for 18 months or whatever. And people be like, yeah, woohoo, good for you. Some idiots boo. And that happens every show that happens. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's just like you got to approach it from a way that isn't judgmental because mm-hmm. everyone there, they're forced. Some places have two drink minimums where it's like they have to drink to be here. You know what I mean? So it, it is a it is something that takes a little bit of um, couth. Is that the right word? Where you got to kind of come at it from the right way? Yeah. Couth. I think that's the first time we've used that word on this, on this podcast. I'll accept it. Yeah. Thank yeah. <laughs> from the judge. Uh, and that let's just go right into your clip, Mary. Uh, I think you introduced it pretty well. I'm excited to be out, man. I had a sober quarantine. That's what I did. That was, that's a proper response. <laughs> I always 
thought I had a drinking problem, you know what I mean? Like, you crash your sixth car, and you're like, maybe it's me. I don't know. <laughs> so it could be on me, huh? Quit drinking about a year and a half ago. It's been, uh, it's been weird, man. I had to Google sober activities. Yeah, that was a good day. One of the things that popped up on Google was paddleboarding. Which means even Google was like, you don't drink, I don't know, go stand on the river alone. Like I said, I knew I was an alcoholic, but the, the pandemic has just confirmed that because now every time I use hand sanitizer, my mouth waters. <laughs> that is awkward at Giant Eagle, you know? <laughs> You're just walking down the aisle like, this is shit, I do miss 151. Wow. Is, what proof is this? you guys get the wrong idea. I'm very happy that I'm sober. I am absolutely, I'm much healthier, much happier, but oh, thank you. <laughs> because here's the thing. I look at my sobriety the same way I'm sure a lot of you look at your children. <laughs> Just because this is the best thing that's ever happened to me doesn't mean that every day isn't a fucking nightmare, okay? <laughs> every day I have to remind myself that this was a good decision, <laughs> You, you do a lot there. I mean, for a minute, what is that, about a minute and a half? Yeah. You do a lot in that in that short amount of time. You know, you obviously make the statement to set up the bit, you know, year and a half sober and then, or no, sober quarantine. Mm-hmm. So you tie it to current events, um, but unlike everyone else who's probably been boozing, you know, and then- well, uh, even that line, I don't love. Like, I yeah. don't love introducing it that way, but it's something that gets everyone on the same page. It was like, hey, we all went through this lockdown. We all, Because I feel like it's weird not to address it mm-hmm. in whatever way that you can. But I don't want it to be, again, I don't want it to be like, I'm better than you. I want it to be like, think of, and I didn't say it in this one, but normally I'm like, so think of your worst day in lockdown and then take away the booze. And then people are like, oh, like why yeah. would you ever do that? You know? So it kind of gets them on my side in like a weirder way, you know, but sorry, go ahead. No, no, that's a good, and that's a great way to do it. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, you've been telling this joke pretty much since the restrictions have been lifted. I mean, I remember you were kind of working with it when we worked together at Funny Stop back in July. Yeah. So, um, you know, to see it kind of come along, because I've seen you at Hilarities, I, you know, we were together a couple weekends ago there and, and it, you know, that, that bit goes really well. Uh, but what you do, you know, you set it up with the quarantine and then you, there's like other pandemic, you kind of frame it using the pandemic too, like the, the hand sanitizer, a giant eagle, like social distancing. So being alone on the river, like, so it works because you mm-hmm. kind of plant that in their heads, uh, in the back of their heads as, they're, as you're going through the joke, they, they remember that. The Googling sober activities. Dude, I love that line. <laughs> you just stand on a river it's alone. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> it's from it's from last year, honestly. I mean, you can, that, that part of it is, yeah. old. that part of it is, that might've been from when I quit drinking in 2018, to be honest with you. Um, Cause like I said, over the last couple of years, it's, it's been like building a little bit where I'm like trying to find ways to approach it or whatever. But the one day I was like, and cause that joke originally started because I did Google sober activities. Cause I truly, truly my heart did not know what to do with myself because I didn't realize how much time of my day was spent drinking that like most of my free time, I was either at a bar or like if I had a show at eight and I got out of work at, I don't know, six, I would be like, oh, I'll just go have a few drinks and like get dinner and whatever. But should, I mean, then that was like four vodka sodas and two shots, you know, in that time frame. Um, but so then when you have those extra four hours, you're like, I don't know what to do with my time. 
So that joke originally started with um, the way that I had it is that I had to Google sober activities and it was just a list of shitty 10 year old birthday parties where it was just like, <laughs> it was like you could go bowling or you could, you know, and, uh, it never, it never went anywhere. Like it, it I didn't have a, a solid tag for it. Um, and paddle boarding was on that list, but it was just like, I kind of had to mold it and change it. Cause it was like, okay, well this doesn't really work. It's conveying what I want it to convey, but it doesn't have a hard hit to it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I love the word river. I think yeah. it's the funniest word. <laughs> like River to me is one of the funniest words. And, um, I'm excited that I got to, got to use it in a joke, but, um, yeah, it's just like uh, taking something true. I did Google it and then trying to change it over the, the course of my sobriety. So it was this list of 10-year-old shitty birthday parties with roller skating and bowling and laser tag and dumb things like that. And then it was like, okay, uh, paddle boarding was the real thing. So that's why don't you stand on the river alone? And then, like you said, being able to be like, okay, well, oh, that's a socially distanced thing. So even though it's not 100% true that that's not what popped up on Google as like socially distanced, you just throw that in there and tie it all in, you know? Right. Right. And, and I mean, it applies to now, but like, it's, it's, you know, those tweets where it's like, describe your job in the most boring way possible, or describe this movie in the most boring way possible. Like describe paddleboarding in the most boring way possible. Standing, <laughs> standing alone standing on a on river. river. It's, yeah, yeah. it's so fun. That, that joke makes me laugh every time. Like, even though I know it's coming, it's funny. Mm. Um, and yeah, I agree. River is a, is a fun word. Like it's just one. like the, it begins and ends with the same letter. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I <laughs> The, the rule of like using hard K's and like P's, if you can yeah. replace a word with, with something like that. It's, yeah. It's yeah. so true. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, you go into, you know, the trope of, uh, of like hand sanitizer as, you know, something that like that, that's what makes you an alcoholic is your, your mouth waters. Then you take it to the next level and then you take it into the grocery store, like, mm-hmm. which is, you know, that's a funny next step. And then you do the little act out with the, the hand sanitizer thing. Like that's, Ooh. yeah, it's just, it's just building. It builds great. And then, uh, and then you close it strong with the, you know, if I didn't relate to you before, let's talk about your kids. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, I did that joke for the first time, um, and it's just that one line. And I've tried to add it and act out onto the end of it as like taking, um, taking like a little kid to the grocery store, and how they're always asking you for something. Where it's like, oh, you know, like you've been there. And parents, I don't need to describe it more than that. Parents get it. Where they're like, yeah. yes, it's constant. It never ends. And so I switched it and made it that that was my alcoholism. Mm-hmm. Is every time I go anywhere, my alcoholism is tugging on my shirt, asking for shit. And I have to treat it like a kid where I'm like, no, you can't have a shot. It's like, why can't we have a shot? Sarah had a shot. I'm like, well, Sarah doesn't have a fucking problem, okay? I'm not Sarah's mom, you know? And so um, I'm like, maybe if you behave, you can get a little croy when you get home. And that is one that I like, again, one of those things that I like, it just doesn't hit very hard every time. So I'm still trying to build on that, like, relating alcoholism to a child thing or sobriety to a child because not everybody's sober but especially in a comedy club crowd almost everybody has kids so i'm still like i said i oh and that's what i was gonna say i did that joke for the first time just that one joke on a zoom show actually i was doing a zoom show and i um i opened with it it was the first joke that i did and it fucking it leveled like everybody was losing it on a zoom show i got i was like had to like take a step back and like pause for probably 30 seconds of people laughing. And I was like, I was blown away because I'd written the joke that day. And then after my set, it was just a quick little five minute set. And then the guys who are running, there's three different dudes, let's call them the social distancing social club, Steve Hostetter, Ben Glebe and Chris Bowers do it. 
And all of them were like, dude, that joke, like that's incredible. That's a closer. You put that at the end of your set like that. And so I, and that always feels good when you write a joke yeah. and then it works right away. So I've been trying to toy with it to see it. And then, then I'm wondering like, oh, is this just stay by itself? Does it just need to be that one line? Do I need to elaborate on it? You know, but um, that is pretty relatively new. But like you said, it, it's a way to get people to relate maybe if they didn't before, you know. Right. And people have seen other people act pretty childish on alcohol. So that's something to, to it as well. That's the thing. I, I think that's what connected it to me. I was like, Oh, I get it. Why it's a child. Because when you're on alcohol or you've been drinking, you act like a child. Yeah. Yeah. And think about your mindset as a kid too. Like there are few consequences, like real consequences to the, to the shit that you do. It's like, yeah, you can eat all these cookies, but you're going to be sick. And that's why your parents are there to be like, no, you probably shouldn't do that. Cause as a kid, you're like, well, why can't I? Yeah, that's, I'm going to write that down. <laughs> you know, like yeah, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Good. Right, right, no. right. And uh, I mean, that, that's that's why I, that's why I like that bit. Because I, I was it this past weekend that I was it hilarity. Yeah. For uh, Steve Renzizi. Um yeah. you, you did that bit. And I was that's like, oh, that's what this clip new. is from. That's what that clip is from. Oh, is it? Okay. Weekend. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I, and I love that addition to it just because, I mean, I, I love when people elaborate on the joke, like I listened to a podcast with Kyle Kinane and he talks about how he can take any mundane story and turn like five minute story and turn each little section of it into its own like five minute bit. He's so good at that. Yeah. It's like listening to Kyle Kinane tell stories will never get old to me. I love it so much. Yeah. And it's, it's taking those like unlike things, you know, alcoholism and kids like these are these two totally different things. <laughs> you don't associate, you know, kids with being alcoholics, you don't, you know, the other way around, but you find out if you can find a way to connect those two and just hammer it home. And like the kid at the store, I think it's great. I, I agree. You, go, what go you ahead. just said with those two, not relating the first thing that, that I just wrote down was the word dependency. Like those are mm-hmm. the only two things mm-hmm. that you can relate. Like you claim a dependent, mm-hmm. but I can't do that. I don't know. I don't know. That'll go somewhere though. But I like that. That's well, yeah, like funny. alcohol and kids. Yeah. And like, they're both dependents. Like that's, yeah. okay. <laughs> That's one of those things where you can sit there and claim your alcoholism on your taxes at the end of the year. Yes, yes. It technically is a dependency, so I don't know why I can't write it off. (laughs) That's fantastic. Oh, man. Sorry, Um, I'm just, you know, just writing. You know, it's funny. I still go through it. Like, yesterday, I was like, all I want to do is get a 30 rack and cut an eight ball and just fucking burn this motherfucker to the ground. Like, oh my God, I was in a Did mood. You? No, I didn't, thankfully. <laughs> I wouldn't be here. <laughs> <laughs> You're sober too, Jeremy, right? I'd be filing for divorce right now. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sober. Now. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, there's those days, especially, especially, excuse me. I was honestly really scared. Um, it was probably April, April or May of this year when we were like, hardcore, nothing had opened. Everybody's at home. Like you're, I talked about it on the radio where I was just like, this has been the first time in my sobriety of over a year that I've truly, truly given thought to drinking again. Mm-hmm. And, and it's one of those, cause I'm at home and I'm like, what damage can I do? I can't go anywhere. I can't fuck up anybody else's life. Like I'm just at home. What's wrong with getting drunk? If I'm not, I literally can't do anything. So why, why not? You know, and you're sitting there and it's scary because you're rationalizing it in your head. You're like, okay, well this thing that literally almost ruined my life on multiple occasions 
what's the worst that could happen? You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Like Jeremy said, you're like, no, I would be dead. Like I'd, I'd jump, fall out my window or miss work or do something stupid, you know? Yeah, something along the way would go wrong in that. that but that's the leading decision is, okay, I'm going to give it up. I'm going to drink. I'm going to get this eight ball of cocaine and then we'll see where it goes from there. And then we know that road. We've seen the end mm-hmm. of that road so many times that we know that at least now it's not going to end well. Even yeah. if it's you just sitting at home and that's your only plan, it never ends up like that. That's how you lose four days where you yeah. just wake up and you're like, it's not fucking Thursday. Don't tell me it's Thursday. Because you're just like, you can't fathom what you've slept for two hours at a time over the last, you know, yeah. 120 hours. You're just like, I don't even know. This can't. What do you mean I missed two shifts? You're like, yeah, well, that's what happens. Because then you, yeah. you miss a shift at work. You're like, might as well keep drinking. <laughs> like, Mondays are the worst. It's Friday. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> what happened? This all started on Monday, though. Yeah. But but the rationalizing it, I mean, that that's, that's it reminds me of when I was a kid, like, trying to get my parents to let me go stay at a friend's house for the night. But I know I still have homework or, like, you know, all, all these things that I have to do. And it's probably not a good idea. So I just sit at home. And I'm like, all right. I'm in my room and I'm like, all right, well, if you tell mom that you'll get your homework done tomorrow yes. and then like you rationalize it and then you go to your parents with this like well thought out plan and it's like, all right. And then you get an F or whatever. Um, it's like the same thing, you know, you, you rationalize it out and humans like to think that we're very rational, but we're not, we are 100% irrational. And then we rationalize it in hindsight, which oh, is a toxic behavior. Yes. It's very toxic. Yeah, Especially you know, claiming to when be you rational. quit drinking, you it, the one thing that kind of like stood out to me was when you said, uh, you know, you don't realize how much of your time it takes up. Mm-hmm. It's incredible how much time it takes up and how mm-hmm. little, or like how much you put off just because you decided, oh, I'm going to go grab a drink. And that drink normally snowballs into 10. Oh, yeah. Well, my big thing, too, was having my mornings. Like I had never experienced that before <laughs> having, I, and I know that sounds horrible, but like not being hungover was mm-hmm. like, and, and early when I would have had like the, the sober month or whatever, that was a joke I would go back to where I'd be like, um, oh, I don't even remember how I set it up, but the punch was like, you mean I have time to get McDonald's breakfast and go to the bank? Like where it's just like, what do you mean? Like I can do these two things before work? Like get the hell out of here. Where I And I truly was blown away by that where I'm like, I have so much time before 11 a.m. This is wild. Like, mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's like the only a.m. I knew before was when I would go to bed. You mean yeah, you're supposed right. to wake up during a.m.? That's weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's... That's another thing, like this whole quarantine, I've been waking up sometimes before 7 a.m. and like active and productive. And it's been it's been great. That's like the one positive, one of the positives that's come out of this. Um, but you talked about, you know, being a bartender, working in the service industry and doing comedy. That is a double whammy of like temptation and toxicity and you know after work there's nothing like you know you go through a a busy shift there's nothing like grabbing a drink but then like jeremy said you get one and then it snowballs into eight Mm -hmm. balls (laughs) and that's not 
And because everybody's doing it. And I know it sounds mm-hmm. stupid to be a grown adult talking about peer pressure, but it's not even peer pressure. It's just like you're sitting talking about the shift or whatever with everyone else and the rush or whatever it might be or just bullshitting about like-minded people. Same thing with comedy. You all go through the same thing. So after a show, you're just sitting and talking about the show or what happened or where you're at next. And and for me, it was always shots. And it, that, I mean... I might only have two or three drinks in a night, but I would do eight or nine shots. Like, mm. because that it's communal and everybody's doing it together. And I don't know. It was just, so it was like, yeah, you're going to sit down and you're like, okay, we'll do, okay, one shot, just one shot. And then it's four in the morning and you're going back to somebody's apartment. God damn it. Every time, every yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> or like the, I don't know if you ever went to any of the after hours spots. Oh yeah. Uh, but, yeah. It's just, everybody's in the bathroom and that's, yeah. Yeah, and nobody was actually using it. Um, yeah, that was bad. I I used to live in the flats, and I'd wake up or I'd go to bed to the sunrise over the city. Yep. Yep. I I missed shifts. I had long to do lists that I would miss out on, and then oh, yeah. I'd get super super anxious and stressed out. And it's like, is it worth it? I had to explain to my boyfriend how like staying on top of things is very important to me now. And staying productive is when I'm my happiest. So when I have a to-do list and checking those things off and doing what I need to do because of exactly what you said, you would just put things off and then it would pile up and what it would be. So like to, literally this morning before I came on here, I had a sink full of dishes from, from the week because I was feeling like shit all week this week. And so I didn't feel good. And so I didn't get my shit done. I have a pile of laundry and I was just like woke up was like, I got to get it all done today because then I'm going to be happier because it, it takes you back to that part of your life where you were putting off all of your responsibilities, where I was just like, yeah, there would be weeks worth of dirty dishes in my sink and I would just get takeout. So I didn't have yeah. to deal with it or like, I, I mean, and this is something that's horrible. Um, I would wear all of my clothes, not do laundry, and then just buy new clothes. <laughs> so that way I didn't Because <laughs> I'm like, I'm out of jeans. I'll just go shopping. Like, that's not, <laughs> that's not an okay thing to do, you know? Oh. So even now, in a year and a half out, which isn't a long time. There are people who have been sober much, much longer. Um, but when those things start to pile up, I get like this weird anxiety where I'm like, don't lose control. <laughs> like, yeah. You're going to be out of control again. And if you just got to do your laundry, you know? Yeah. And thank God for, thank God for things like um, stand up where you can replace that addiction for something else. That is a more positive thing. You know, you know, I sometimes, I get a little wrapped up in what I'm doing with the podcast studio, but that's another addiction of mine to replace the alcoholism or the drugs. People talk about that all the time where they're like, you're going to do it. You're going to do it. Especially if you have an addictive personality, you're going to find a way it's finding something healthy. So like you said, diving into work and, and anything can become unhealthy. Obviously if it starts to interfere with your daily life, it's becoming an unhealthy addiction. What I did is I replaced it with working out. Um, because I had gotten to like the biggest point in my life. I was always small. I'm five, two. I was a cheerleader. I've always had like a slim frame and I'm not being braggy or anything like that, but I had gotten to a point that I was incredibly uncomfortable. Um, I had never, you know, I hated the way that I looked. I hated myself for many reasons, both physically and emotionally, you know? And so once I stopped drinking, I decided I was like, all right, I'm going to get back to where I need to get. And so it was like months of, 
obsessive behavior with the gym and dieting where it was like logging every single calorie, you know, working out, uh, sometimes twice a day where I would do like cardio in the morning and weightlifting in the afternoon again, because I have all this time where I'm like, why not? Why not just go back to the gym today, you know, or do something at home. And although it is healthy, you got to kind of check it where it's like, okay, don't get crazy. (laughs) Like don't, you know, try not to be so over the top, but yeah, definitely when you replace it with one thing or the other, some people replace it with weed or other drugs. I'm like, well, that doesn't really, not really one step forward, two steps back kind of a thing, you know, but, um, if you can dive into work or, or, you know, exercise or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's a mistake. I, I feel like a lot of people make, not even just with, with alcohol. It's like, if you have a bad habit, you can't just stop doing that and not replace it with something. There has to be something to fill that gap. Otherwise you may fill that gap with something worse or, yeah. you know, go right back into it. Or you relapse. Um, what's that? Or you relapse. That's usually. Oh yeah. The case. Yeah. 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 The people who aren't uh, doing anything with their time <laughs> when you're just sitting in it and you're like, well, what the hell now? Also, just because you've quit drinking doesn't mean, uh, you know, you've solved all of your issues. Uh, you've solved an aspect of your issues by quitting drinking, but all those issues you had while you were drinking are still there. Now you just have like the clarity to combat those issues and they don't seem quite as heightened. I mean, I worked service industry. I've worked the service industry from 2007 to the pandemic, and um, two years ago, three years ago, yeah, I started like partying. Like, I had never really done coke before, and and it was just because I was just like chasing after this high. And for like 20 minutes, it was like, this is the greatest. And then you Start come down. company. Yeah, we got to do more. <laughs> like, right, yeah. It's 8 a.m., whatever. I got to work in three hours. I'll just keep doing it through work. Yeah. And, yeah, it's, uh, God, it's so bad. It's uh, just such a terrible, terrible cycle to get hooked into. Man. Oh, my God. It's, it's chasing that high. It's chasing that dopamine release. And uh, the first time I got on stage and did stand-up, because I, I mean, I've been doing, you know, sketch for years and I, and I was doing like speaking and stuff, but I wasn't doing it that often, a couple times a month. And when I got my first laugh at, I think it was O'Toole's, it was one of the last weeks at O'Toole's, um, I was like, oh, oh, this is the high that you're going after because you're not depending, I mean, you, you're essentially creating it. Like you're not depending solely on an outside source for the, that dopamine hit, but you're also replacing it with, with the serotonin from being able to make other people laugh and the oxytocin mm-hmm. from sharing a, a, a moment right. together with a room full of people. And that's naturally created. I mean, you know, the, that's why it's so much better. And I haven't done Coke since like, good I, for you. Yeah. It's great. It's, you know, to replace it with something. It's like, Oh, you know, what's I, funny is that like, um, I feel like alcohol is, is a funny thing because, uh, anybody who parties or drinks a lot or has a history of it, I think that, most people have had that moment in their life where they're like, am I an alcoholic? Or like, yeah. you know what I mean? It might just be like you, your best friend's wedding. But so you got wasted <laughs> Thursday night at the rehearsal dinner or, ne- or Thursday at the bachelor party, then Friday at the rehearsal dinner, and then Saturday at the wedding, and then Sunday at the brunch. And then Monday, you're like, I've been drunk for four days. And <laughs> I feel like everybody's kind of had something like that in their life. Um, so it is a... Um, I feel like it hits people a little bit differently that when you talk about being sober or having these crazy nights, people will sometimes be like, well, I had a weekend like that once. And I'm like, I'm not calling you an alcoholic. Like, you know what I mean? Like if people get a little, it's, it's not like any other addiction where like gambling addiction, it's very easy to say, no, I don't have that. 
I don't spend money at the racetrack. I don't go to the casino. I don't buy scratch offs. You know, oh, I've never done heroin. I don't do cocaine. I don't have a drug addiction. But with alcohol, I feel like at some point in everybody's life, they've thought, I might have a problem with this or I need to step back. So it's another thing you kind of got a little tiptoe around is like, I'm not trying to make you feel, I mean, if you, if that triggers a certain feeling in you, I, I, there's nothing really that I can do about that. You know, like it's a strange feeling to be like, Oh, here me sharing my story. And people will come up to me drunk after shows and be like, I think I might need to take a break. And I'm like, all right, we'll we'll revisit it in the morning and send me a DM. (laughs) You know? Yeah. (laughs) We'll see. (laughs) Oh, that that's funny. I mean, that that you make that connection with people. Oh, where they're yeah. like, oh, this thing uh, might not be the best. But again, it just might be a night out with your friends and like right. that's fine. You know, don't don't beat yourself up over it unless it's getting in between you and where you want to go, like where right. you want to be. Um, that's honestly why I quit. Um yeah. sorry, I'm just making a note. I haven't really talked at length with anybody about alcoholism, so I'm just like just jotting things down. That's all. Yeah. Um, especially other funny people. Um, what did you just say? I don't know. Uh, no, oh, it was, I wanted to comment on it uh, about like how people um, will, will come up to you and like connect with you and be like, Oh, this is, you know, maybe I should stop. And I was like, no, that does this is my experience. Like you might be fine. Don't overthink yeah. this. Like, Damn, I don't remember. I lost it. Uh, I did too. Mm, I okay. it'll, it'll come back. Yeah, sure. let's, put it this come full circle. let's put it this way. If you have more drunk days than sober days, it may be time yeah. for self-reflection. Yeah. That's yeah. all I'm going to, that's all I'm willing to say. I'm not looking to judge anybody or say, because I am a sober person, uh, I'm above or beyond what you're going through. I'm most certainly not. Yesterday I wanted to drink and do cocaine. Uh, but when you, get to a point where you're the, there's less days of you being sober than there are you being drunk is a or time where, yeah and like is a time for you to like just consider maybe maybe i might mm-hmm. have a problem yeah yeah that's i think that's what it was is is once it starts getting in between you and like your goals and like where you want to be that's that's it that's what yeah. i was going to say yeah. is that the the one of the biggest reasons, if not the biggest reason why I quit is because it was getting in the way of comedy. It was mm-hmm. starting to affect because 2018, 2017 is when I kind of dove back in. So I mentioned taking time off in like 2015, 16. Uh, I was in a relationship and we got engaged. So I started working more hours at two bartending jobs because we were paying for the wedding ourselves. So I was working a lot. I was working two jobs, probably at least four days a week. So it didn't four or five days a week. So it didn't leave a lot of time for stand up um, because I'm trying to save up all this money. Right. Mm -hmm. So 2016 wasn't a great year for me for stand up. I mean, I might, might have done like, I would say less than 50 sets in the entire year. And that's, Mm -hmm everything like that includes weeks at hilarities when they were Wednesday through Sunday and I was doing seven sets in a week. Like there would be times where I would do hilarities every two months. And that would be the only time I was on stage. I wouldn't hit a mic or do anything in between. Um, so it was like the only time I kind of took time off, but then after that didn't work out 2017, I dove headfirst back into comedy where I was like, okay, this is what I'm doing now. I was going to different States for no money and just meeting people and trying to make contacts and, you know, like paying for myself to go to Atlanta for a week so I can do the showcases and meet people and make contacts, whatever it was, uh, festivals, anything. I did everything I could in 2017. In 2018, I started to get booked more by funny business who is like a regional um 
like a Midwest booking agency. And they got like one nighters, they have clubs, they have kind of everything, casinos, whatever it might be. And I hit that pretty hard in 2018, where the second half of 2018, I was, I was working, I was doing good. I was featuring on the road and I was doing these things. And then, um, toward the end of 2018 and beginning of 2019, my drinking was getting in the way of those gigs because even though I wouldn't be drunk on stage, that was never something I did. Um, I, maybe two or three times in my life I've been drunk on stage. I would take my first drink of the night on stage with me. And I'd have it there, and that was kind of like, that was always my thing. No drinking before the show. I would take it. If it's an open mic, that's different. But like, um, as a paid gig. And so toward the end of 2018, beginning of 2019, it was getting to the point where... I was getting so drunk after shows that I was like being disrespectful to staff and club bookers and, you know, audience members or the people who own the bar that I was performing at. And then it was like getting this reputation of being difficult to work with or a drunk or a mess or, you know what I mean? Like, oh, the show was funny, but she's a train wreck. And once those that feedback started coming in. Or like getting into being shitty and disrespectful to other comics. And it was one of those where it was like when that started happening and it was all because of booze, I was like, well, this seems like a pretty obvious choice. <laughs> like, right. you know, like I can continue to be this asshole who nobody wants to work with and stay drunk or I can remove the problem and be a decent human being. You know, like I always tell people like younger comics will be like they ask for advice or whatever. And, I'll, um, and I mean younger in the sense of, uh, less experienced. That's right. a word I need to take out of my vocabulary. Yeah. Um, but they'll, I always tell them like, people need one reason not to book you just one, whether it's that you're late or you run the light or you are rude to the staff or whatever it might be, whatever it is, they need one reason. Don't give it to them. Just don't <laughs> give it to them. Just don't give anybody a reason not to book you. And booze became the reason not to book me. So then I was like, well, we're done with that. <laughs> like I, I'm, I'm not going to give you that reason, you know? Mm, that, that's great advice um, because I mean people don't think about it but your relationship with the other people is the most important thing like you know you being can be funny is such a small part of it right having a good set is minute compared to everything else right that's just like the side dish to the main core you are the main core like you are the you are the thing you know if you, if you are difficult to work with if you are dramatic if you do drink like that's that's mm -hmm. Not a very uh, appetizing, like, course, you know? And right. you're, you're spot on. Like, people forget about the most important thing, no matter what line of work you're in, is the other people. Mm -hmm. Is the bar owners, the club owners, the audience, your fans, whatever. Like, and when your relationship with booze, in this case, is takes precedence over that those relationships. Yeah. You know? And, and you're, I mean, you're, I don't want to say lucky, but, like, there are some people who don't figure that out and just just torpedo their own career and their, right, right. Know, themselves. So to have that self-awareness um, is, you know, kudos to you for that. Oh, thank for you. For sure. No, I, I've, I've gone on stage. I remember the first open mic I did after I had been drinking for a while, I was like, Oh fuck it. I'm going to go on stage and, and I'm going to be hilarious. And I listened back to my set and I was like, no, it's so bad. You don't it's learn so anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like now there's, evidence that oh, yeah. <laughs> you know this is not good there have been i've only been like drunk on stage a handful of times but even just a couple drinks you know like i said i'll get there at six or seven an hour or two before the show i'll eat i'll have a few drinks and i just wasn't as sharp i just wasn't as quick i couldn't handle anything 
I couldn't think on my feet. If I lost my spot in my set, I was it. That was the end of it. There yeah. was no pivoting. There was no, oh shit, I don't remember what I'm going to say next. We'll just just pick something else. It was that derailed my set because I just couldn't, you're just not there, you know? Right. Even not if there's only two drinks. Yeah, right. Not all the synapses are firing like they, know, they do right. when you're doing your best, you know? You're, uh, literally, you're literally dulling your central nervous system. That's what mm-hmm. it's doing. Like, it has the effect you wanted it to. <laughs> like, some people are like, I perform much better when it is. I'm like, I'm just, I know for, for a fact I'm not as quick. I'm not as sharp. And those are two things you need if you're going to have to interact or change gears or whatever it might be. And that's the other thing. Sorry, I could talk about this all day. I feel like yeah. I'm totally dominating the conversation. No, I'm that's so the sorry. point. Yeah. But You're it's the like, guest. Yeah, yes, yeah. We're here. No, to- it's like um, being able to switch gears and stay quick, and 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 being aware of how you're doing, being on stage and understanding. Okay, they are really not into this material. Time to shift and go to something else. And when you're drunk, it's like that. There's like a, a blindfold on. You can't tell that they're not into it because you're having fun. So mm-hmm. then it's just like, Pew, you know what I mean? Like you're not, you're not so aware of the show you're putting on for everyone else. I think you're, it's you're aware of how you're doing. This is so funny, you know. I mean, alcohol is a good way to get uh, swallowed up by your own ego. So you might even just think like, well, fuck these people. I want to say what I want to say because I'm too drunk to care. Mm -hmm. I think it's an ego thing. At least it was for me a lot of the time when, you know, I'd be eating shit up there because I was drunk and not really being coherent. And I'd be like, well, fuck these. These people don't get me. It's like, no, you're yes. just an idiot. Whatever. This is what I want to say. <laughs> fuck you. You're old. You don't get it. <laughs> what, do, what do I have to relate to you? You're you're 50. And I'm like, because they're the ones who paid to be here, probably. Right. Probably be a good idea. <laughs> That's how you win fans. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's it's so true. I've, I've seen that so many times. Um, that's that's advice, too, you know, that, that anybody could take. It's like. Uh, if if you must drink, if you want to take the edge up, if you're nervous to go up, like have your first drink with you. Yeah. Take it on stage with yeah. you. Yeah. That's, that's great. And advice. then most of the time you're not even going to touch it. Right. Right. If you have to take a second and think about, Oh, what's next? Rather than saying what's next, you can take a sip and then yeah. be like, Oh, right. there it is. Um, but, but you're right. You know, you're not making those connections as fast in your head uh, and you're not connecting with other people. And was that the, is that why the, that was the name of that comedy club? <laughs> because Comedy is about making connections. Like you have to connect with the audience. You have to connect, you know, these, these competing thoughts in your head. They put an X in it though. So I don't know. Uh, Yeah. That's so cool. Oh my God. That wasn't a, uh, I'm frustrated. It's like, Oh, why didn't I think of that? Yeah. (laughs) Connection. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They deserve to go out of business. Cross the line. Kind of like Jeremy said earlier, you're rationalizing it where you're like, Oh, this is a job I can be drunk at. Like, yeah. this is fine. Everybody drinks and tells jokes. You know what I yeah. mean? Where you're just coming up. We're like, well, at least I'm not this. At least, yeah. you know, the the alcoholic is like, well, at least I don't do heroin. You know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, so everybody <laughs> has, a, you know, the drug addict. Well, at least I'm not a drunk. At least I'm, at least I'm not a gambler. You know what I mean? Like, there's always something that you're not doing that'll make you feel better about it. But um, him saying that was like, well... There's two schools of thought. There's the fuck you, I'm funny. I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to do it how I do it. And then there's the, 
these people paid money to be here. People, as far as club setting goes, okay? I'm not mm-hmm. talking about like an indie show in a bar where it's free and young people and everybody's drinking. I mean, like if you're doing a set in a club and tickets are 15 or $20 a piece and they had dinner and got a babysitter and are having drinks, this couple is $200 invested in this. The least thing, the least that you can do is be a fucking professional. Like that's the least thing that you can do for them, you know? Yeah. It's not about you. I mean, sure, yeah. I mean, this is you like putting on a performance and doing what you love. But when it comes to that kind of a thing, you need to also be giving a good show. I, I look at it as drinking on the job. Yeah, You are. You, know? you yeah. absolutely are. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I want to be on my best. Even, even when I'm at a bar uh, show, because I record every single set. If I listen back to my set and I'm impaired in any way, like I'm not getting valuable information other than you should probably not drink. Like that's, yeah. that's yeah, my right. note. I've had, I've had sets where I listen back and I'm like, oh, don't do it drunk because I can't get anything from it because I forgot like connections between ideas and mm-hmm. I did stuff out of order. And it's like, that's not supposed to go there. And that's why it didn't hit. Why were you like you do a callback oh. to a joke you didn't do? Yeah. Like, well, that normally kills. Like, bitch, you didn't even tell the joke. Oh, <laughs> I've, <laughs> I've, I've seen like, I've seen a headliner do the same joke twice mm-hmm. during a set. And then he started doing it a third time. And the audience was like, you've told this joke. Right. Like they were like, dude, you're drunk. I've never, this is just me personally, right? I've never had an aha moment drinking on stage. Mm-hmm. Like where where you're looking for that one word or you're looking for that connective tissue. You're looking for that one thing. And when you are quick and you can do it and you're thinking on your feet and you say it and you're like, oh my God, that's what this, that's what this fucking thing was missing this whole time. I've never had that happen while I was drinking. Not mm-hmm. once has that happened. Um, every time that's ever happened, it's been kind of like a riffy, looser, like, you know, kind of a situation but not once has it ever been after three vodka sodas i can tell you that did you ever write drunk oh my god not this notebook i could go get i won't pause the podcast for it but i could go grab a notebook from like 2015 probably where i was looking back through it because recording the album i'm like oh, i'm gonna go look back through old albums or old notebooks most of it is illegible mm-hmm. like most of it i'm looking <laughs> at it and i'm like no clue i have no idea what you're trying to say or what you think is funny, but I physically can't even read this. Like, yeah. it's just a, a whole mess. You can't laugh at that. Jeff Blanchard this weekend was talking about, and I've heard this before, but uh, people, you know, he's talking about weed legalization. And, you know, the, a, lot, a hang up for some people is that weed, weed is the gateway drug. And he makes the point that it's alcohol. Like, nobody's ever smoked weed and been like, let's do Coke. It's always, you oh, know, yeah. get a few drinks in you. And then it's instant. And I think that's so funny, just that misconception that, you know, weed is this terrible thing. And then alcohol, like there's commercials for it during things that kids are watching. So it's it's this double standard that that I think is so ironic. And it's such a that's such a fun ballpark to play in as a comic, just the double standard trope. Because, I mean, we can do that for anything, whether it's, you know, how we raise our kids and, like, judging other people and then, like, booze. There's this double standard, this cultural double standard that we can play in. And um, you have a bit where you talk about, like, the difference between being drunk and being high. Mm -hmm. And I think it's such a fun parallel because nobody's ever, like, I don't know, you can kind of, you don't have to tell the joke, but kind of guide us through that, that kind of perspective on it. 
That's a joke um, I enjoy because it's true, and I enjoy because uh, I, it's all real, and I like it because it's true to me, but it is a joke that I feel like a lot of people do, and so that's why I don't mm. tell it as often as I, I did. That was one of the ones that stemmed from uh, the, you know, the 2017 stint of sobriety, where it's like... Um, it's not me pushing for like the legalization of weed or anything like that. It's, it's me excusing smoking weed, but not drinking. And I say, because I don't do the same dumb shit that I do when I'm too high that, or when I'm too drunk, if I'm too high. And the example I use is a very real example where I say, I've never fist fought a stranger outside of a gay bar because I ate an entire edible like that's yeah. And that's something that I did when I was super drunk, you know? And so I take it like that. And I, and I know that the, I don't, I can't get over my biggest fear as a comic is being a hack. And yeah. I and because you don't know. I feel like the hacks don't know that they're being hacky and nobody tells them. They just write them off. So mm-hmm. that's like, I don't know if that came from working the road so much and seeing those guys who haven't written a new joke in 30 years. <laughs> so the minute I start to feel like something might be a little bit hacky, I'm like, all right, just stop doing it. Like, you had fun with it, you know. Um, but that was the idea is that, like... Um, it was like, not once has that happened. Have I fist fought a stranger outside of a gay bar? Uh, I was like, you know what happens when I smoke too much weed? I roll change. <laughs> and and then I do like an act out of me rolling change and having a typical high conversation with my cat, you know? Yeah. Uh, or the other one I'll do is I'll say, if it's a, a microphone with a cord, I'll be like, you know what I do? I, I eat an edible and I vacuum for 45 minutes. And I do an act out of like t- taking the cord and not being able to find out where it's plugged in. And it's a... They're both things that I've done, and I think they're funny, but I do get on that kind of like, is this overdone, have the potheads kind of nailed in the weed isn't bad type of thing. So I, I pull it out every now and then because I do have a good time telling it. Yeah. Um, and it is rooted in truth where I never have bad ideas when I smoke weed. I never, I never cause problems or crash cars or do coke or cheat on people. Like that's never happened when I'm high. It just feels like a topic that a lot of people have covered. So that's mm-hmm. kind of why I stopped telling it. It was true in the moment, and I did what it needed to do, uh, but I don't really, I don't know, I don't really revisit it anymore, if that makes sense. So you say it's not an album, bit, but if the situation arises with an audience or something, it's good to have in your back pocket. It does very well. Yeah. I don't think I've ever told that joke and had it not go well. Yeah. Um, but it is one of those, honestly, it's one of those bits I keep in my back pocket for if my set isn't going how I want it to. Mm-hmm. Because it does have the, it has everything you want. It has a setup, the twist. It has an act out. It has all the the pieces to being a very good, very productive bit. Um, but it's just not. It's not what. No, I wouldn't put that one on an album. It's one to kind of throw out if they don't like me and get them back on my side. You know, kind of a thing. Yeah. No, it's always good to have stuff like that in your back pocket. I mean, all of your stuff is obviously from from your point of view. Um, you know, coming from somebody who struggled with alcoholism and uh, and you know. You have that hindsight perspective. You have some stuff from when you were, were going through that uh, that you've adapted to now. Um, it's always interesting to get a different perspective on on things, um, like from the perspective of other people. You know, other people. Did you ever write anything about like how other people would come to you and say, "Hey, you know, we think you may want to adjust your behavior a little bit"? Or, or first of all, did did you have people that did that? No. No. Okay. 
Okay. Other than my dad. My dad was always like, you need to stop drinking. But he's been sober for like 25 years and he quit cold turkey. Okay. Um, so he's one of those, I'm like, you don't get it. You know what I mean? Like, and he also is a gambler. So I'm like, I'll quit drinking when you stop going to the casino. You know what okay. I mean? Like, so I had things to hide behind with him, but I never had like an intervention. I never had anybody be like, hey, maybe, I mean, that I remember. I was drunk a lot of the time. And so I'm sure people were probably like, hey, what about maybe cutting back a little bit? Or the only thing that I can say was kind of um, leading to that without it is every time I would quit, there was an overwhelming support of people that mm-hmm. were like, oh, hell yeah, this is great. So happy for you. You know what I mean? Even if I just said I was taking a month off. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was like when so many people were on board with it, I think those are the people who maybe wanted to say something but didn't know how or maybe felt like it wasn't their place. So when I came to the conclusion on my own, they'd be like, fuck yeah, dude, I'm, I fully support you because they didn't know how to get there. Um, and nobody was ever like upset if I did start drinking again or when I did start drinking again and not, nobody expressed like, like distaste for it. But every time I did come back around to it, they would be like, oh, you're on the right track and this is going to be so healthy, you know? So it was, it was kind of a, a weird way to be like, oh, wow, wow. A thousand people. Okay. Wow. I wasn't expecting that, you know? Well, it's not their place or their responsibility to tell you those things. Like they're not your parents. So why would they bother? If anything, they're just going to burn a bridge or uh, piss you off because you don't want to admit to yourself that you have a problem. I think it's kind of shocking that no one said anything to you. Yeah, I had to, in my my mid-20s-ish, I had a little bit of a, with friends, they did a little bit of an intervention for me. And it wasn't even until like 10 years later that I quit drinking. So it doesn't, it doesn't really, I don't know if it helps all that much. It has to, it has to come from you. Otherwise it's not going to, it's not going to stick. Well, and that's what I tell the drunk people who come up to me after the show when they're like, I think I might, I'm like, one day you'll get tired of your own bullshit. Yeah. Really. That's what it comes down to is that you can't, that is something that you have to come to that conclusion. It doesn't matter if every single person in your life tells you. It's the same thing as when you date someone who's not good for you. Mm-hmm. All your friends can tell you they hate him and it doesn't, this guy's a piece of shit and yada, yada, yada. But they're not in love and you are. So, you know what I mean? It's the same type of, and I've tried to make a joke about that, the parallel, but again, that's another one where it's like, oh, it's an abusive relationship. And like people make that joke about the Browns a lot. And I'm like, I don't want to just take the same hacky premise and apply it to alcoholism, you know, but um, it is very similar when people can tell you, like if they don't like your significant other or whatever it is, you're blinded by it because you're happy with the way things are going or you want to be happy with the way things are going. And it's not until you're removed from that situation where you're like, what the fuck? Like, why? How did you not open your eyes to that? You know, it's like it's like a montage. It's like the the realization at the end of a movie when <laughs> everything comes together yeah. for the yeah. make for like yeah. uh, Bruce Willis at the end of the Sixth Sense. He's like, oh yeah, no, I have they been were, dead. The clues were there the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I really wish those were his lines. Oh yeah, I really have been dead this whole time. <laughs> I have been dead. <laughs> <laughs> Just oh, real nonchalant about it. Oh, okay, never mind. I get it. Yeah, how big of an asshole are you? That it's more plausible that your wife won't talk to you because you're such an asshole than the fact that you're dead in the sixth sense. Oh, yeah, right? (laughs) I was like, damn, Jeremy, we're getting deep. Um, All right, ready. uh, No, that's about me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Is everything okay? Yeah, right? (laughs) Everything's fine, guys. I'm in a dark- Episode 39, Jeremy's Marriage. 
Right. Isn't it more important that Jeremy loves himself than his, than his wife loves Am I him? A journey? Jeremy's on a journey right now. <laughs> but it's spelled G-H-E-R-N-E-Y. <laughs> ah! Oh, Jeremy's oh. journey. Yeah, so the, the perspective of other people, too. I mean, that's that's another angle that, that can be taken on it. Um, that's, one, that's one tool that I use. If I know that something's funny, but it's not connecting, is like, I write the joke from the perspective of somebody else. So whether it's, you know, a friend or a total stranger who's seeing this thing happen or a parent or a little kid, um, you know, there are so many different ways to do it. And uh, this is just a, a quick one-liner, but God, it's such a good joke. Is uh, the Mitch Hedberg one. Uh, Jeremy, if you want to pull this one up. Sure. I love this joke. And, I did pull yeah, up. I mean, I think it sucks I did that we lost that. Mitch because he's such a good comic. I'd like to drink before the show. I have a couple of drinks before I go on stage. <laughs> Every time people applaud, I'm always going, no, 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 hold on. But alcoholism is a disease, but it's like the only disease that you can get yelled at for having. <laughs> Provocative. <laughs> Damn it, Otto. You're an alcoholic. Damn it, Otto, you have lupus. <laughs> One of those two doesn't sound right. That's the whole joke. That's great. Lupus, it's true. Lupus, another one of those fun words like river. Um, yeah. But, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that, and that's another perspective on it. Like alcoholism is a disease. Well, it's the same as any other addiction or like, uh, uh, you know, they're all tied into mental disorders and things like mm -hmm. that. And, and things are not right up here that make right. people addicted to things. Right. Um, so, I mean, and this is if you want to get deep and I know we're running a little bit short on time, but it's like this, this ties into the way that addiction is viewed in America and how big of a problem it is that people hate the person who's addicted, not realizing that a lot of the time there's other things at play, mm -hmm. that it's not just... I'm choosing to be a drunk because I don't give a fuck about my life and I'm, I'm selfish, you know what I mean? Or like people who are drug addicts and end up overdosing, people have no sympathy or no understanding or don't care to, uh, to almost see those people as they don't have a disease. You're choosing to do that. This is all your fault. And to a certain degree, yes, I'm the one who picked up the drink, you know, but there's other things at play where it is like, yeah, you wouldn't get mad at someone for being diabetic. Like, right. You know, I, I, I'm sorry I can't stop eating the cookies. Like, I have to keep my blood sugar up. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of a similar thing. Mm -hmm. That's a yeah, and, and I mean, like you said, we, we have such little understanding. I mean, now we have more understanding of what's going on up here, uh, you know, from a neurological standpoint. Like, there's nobody chooses. Nobody's like, I'm going to be an alcoholic and right. I'm going to be proud. Like, that's something that you realize you are when it's too late or when, you, like, you know it's time to change. Right. Um. And, and that's why, like, that's why I love Mitch Hedberg is he can take a setup and a punchline and then maybe a tag or an act out and say so much. It, whereas, like, other comics can do a five-minute set and say that. He can take yeah. that. And that's why I have so much respect for one-liner comics, too, because you can say so much more in such a short amount of time Yeah, um, if you're good at it. So, I mean, that's why I love that bit, and, and I found it kind of doing research for this episode and I forgot how much I love Mitch Hedberg. So I'm gonna, I might have to go back and listen to his albums. Um, 
he's actually one of the reasons I got into stand up. I don't know. Do you, do you have like, do you have an influence that uh, kind of you look uh, to Dane Cook? That's okay. <laughs> he's a he's a great performer and uh, yeah. Well, yeah, and, and you know what's so funny? I forget which comic I was talking to about that because. I mean, the first comedian I ever saw, like, watch their special was Brian Regan, I Walked on the Moon. Mm-hmm. And I was uh, in love. I was like, this is amazing. This is the funniest shit I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, it was so good. And his, you want to talk about act outs. His act outs were just, I'm like, the dude is selling a joke without saying a word. Like, mm-hmm. this is wild. I love, love Brian Regan. Obviously, one of the greatest of all time. Um, the first comic I ever heard was Dane Cook. I had, um, my friend got like a new iPod and gave me their old one and it had his harmful of swallowed album on it. And I was probably, I was in middle school. So I was probably 12, maybe 13. And I can still say every single word to every single joke on that harmful of swallowed album. And it's funny because, you know, people make fun of Dane Cook or whatever. And I was talking to another comedian about it and they said, say what you will about Dane Cook. You know, they're like, he did something that nobody had done before. And he's like, he got, 12 year old girls interested in comedy. He got, he reached a, a demographic that other people had not reached yet. You know, there wasn't really, well now where there's like viral videos on Instagram and that's what people think jump cut videos is comedy. And you know, they can be well written and funny, but Dane Cook was doing that without that kind of a social platform. I mean, my space. Yeah. But you're reaching this audience and, and that's exactly what the, the, I forget. I wish I remember who I was talking to. But they said, they're like, look at you now. You're a working comedian because you listened to Dane Cook. He was a good-looking guy that a 13-year-old would be interested in. He was a funny comedian, and he did what he needed to do. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So it's like you can't you can't knock the guy for that, you know? Yeah, no, we've had this conversation uh, in previous episodes where it's like if you can fill a room, if you can reach an audience, if you continue to, to improve what you're doing – I've got nothing but respect for you. It's right. not, might not be for me, right? but you know, that's the thing with all that. You're seeing that a lot with YouTube and Instagram comics now yeah. is that these are the guys who in the middle of a pandemic are selling out clubs mm-hmm. and I will look it up and I'll be like, I don't get it. I, I have no idea why this is funny. And then I have to go up and eat my dick in front of them for 20 minutes because I'm the opener. And then they go up and they've been doing comedy for two years and have to do an hour. And it's, awful but i'm like to me this is not for me the audience is losing it and they get a standing ovation and i'm like i can't i can't hate this like i can't hate your hustle you built your audience you get people out they love what you do that's amazing that's so great keep doing it yeah keep doing it and and you kind of see you see this uh with a lot of comics i mean there's a lot of bigger name comics who are sober now um who have reached the level that they're at because of that. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and I mean, do, did you see that and think, Oh, that could be me if I. No, not so much, but it was like, um, surprising to me, the number of comedians who were sober and, um, John Mulaney was the first one that I realized cause he talks about it in his, uh, his first special new in town. Mm-hmm. He talks about how he quit drinking. And I kind of like thought about it where I was like, oh, well, he can do it. Like he's obviously successful because you think like you said, we talked about earlier, like it being an environment that can be kind of toxic as far as addiction goes, uh, stand up that is. And I'm like, well, I always thought like, how am I going to hang out? How am I going to be in a bar and not drink? And how am I, what about after the show when people want to buy you shots and yada, yada, yada? Um, 
And seeing him and watching that, I'm like, oh, it's super doable. Because that came out of what, 2015 maybe, 2014? Yeah, some, somewhere, somewhere around, around there, there 15, yeah. 16. And when I was having these thoughts of maybe I should give it a try, you know. And, and when you see people who can be successful and then you realize no one gives a fuck if you drink or not. <laughs> like, no one cares. Right. Like, when you're out after a show and you people are like, hey, do you want a drink? And you're like, no, thank you. They're like, okay, cool. Like, they truly, truly don't give a shit if you drink. Right. Right. And that's something that we forget is everybody is going through their day and they're most concerned about themselves. They don't they give don't a care shit about you. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's mostly your closest friends that are weirded out by it because they don't know what to do with you anymore. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, and he even has that bit where he's like, he'll be at a party and he'll be like, hey, Hey, Melanie, I know you don't drink. Uh, can I get you this old lime that I found in my head? <laughs> or do you want my girlfriend's Nuva ring? And it's like, why would I want any of that? Like, water is fine. Like, you know? <laughs> That's funny. Um, all right. So let's, uh, let's, let's bring this home. Uh, if you could give either young comics or comics that uh, are trying to, to write jokes about alcoholism or anything like that, just any bit of advice, any um, tips, any insider information, anything like that, uh, this is your time to do so. Oh, boy. That's a, I feel like that's a lot of pressure. Yeah. Like, it's a, <laughs> I feel it's like not, that's a lot. Like, hey, yeah. you're working through some shit. Hey, explain. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, I've touched on on a lot of um, deeper, I, I'm still very surface level with it, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. So I haven't, I haven't gotten anywhere near as deep as I want to get with it. Um, but I think what I've found the most success in is rooting it in truth, is that, you know, when you take your experiences and you map them out, this is what I know about it. This is how I feel about it. This is exactly like, make a list. Here's what how I feel about my addiction or alcoholism or whatever your thing might be, you know? And be honest. And when you share that, it's, it's, um, you'll be surprised how many people can relate to that. You'll mm-hmm. be surprised how many people have had that exact same thought. When you think, like, I'm a fucking crazy person. No one's ever felt this way before. I'm the odd one out. But if you take your ideas and you say, okay, this is honest, true. These are the things that happen. These are the things that I think are funny. And you root it in that and then can kind of elaborate or, or expand on it. I think the things that are rooted in truth are the best and they come across the most genuine and that's what's going to reach people is you are telling your truth, you're being, hey, this is me. It's okay to be a little bit vulnerable about it. Um, I think it scares people to be vulnerable and then not get a laugh because that hurts, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but it, and, and it takes time. It takes time to learn how to do that. But to I guess if there's any advice is that just definitely root it in truth, in, in your honesty and what's actually going on with you because I feel like crowds can smell a phony from 10 miles away. They know if you're putting on, they know if you're exaggerating, they know, they know if you're lying. And so just don't <laughs> like just, you can make things embellished to be funnier, you know, add a tag or, or make a scene a little bit more exaggerated, but stick with what's in there because no one else can tell that story. You know, no one else can tell your story. So make sure it's rooted in you, you know? Right. And it doesn't feel great if you're not honest on stage. Even if it gets no. a laugh, you kind of like, feel like a phony, it. right? Yeah. You do. Oh, you that. Do. Yeah. I sometimes no. feel like that when other comics give me tags. Mm-hmm. Like they'll give me a tag and I'll do it. And I want to tell the, I'm like, I didn't write that. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like, <laughs> like that one wasn't mine. <laughs> like, yeah. Credit, credit <laughs> the writer. Right. Same thing. Um, no, that's powerful advice for sure. That is uh, like just being honest and 
I love the idea of just writing out your your. You know, it's it's really funny. Feeling. I have a. I'm doing another podcast later tonight that is a um, a roast show. Okay. Well, it's it's about sports, but I'm going to talk about the Browns. And the way that I go about writing roast jokes, and I'm like, I got to apply this to everything else. So I literally will list the thing, right? So it says like Baker Mayfield. And then I just write all the things I know about Baker Mayfield. Like, mm-hmm. and then I'm like, okay, well, there's got to be jokes in here somewhere. Like find the things that are true and then make fun of it, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that that really helps, especially if you're, if you're going through something like, okay, it could be dark. It might be scary. It might be vulnerable, but you list the things that are true and then kind of build off of that, you know? Yeah. And even if it is dark and true and vulnerable, like just that, that just gives you a fresh perspective on it. Right. It's kind of that subconscious, like, oh, this isn't as serious or as bad or whatever as, as you're I You're not as alone it. as you think you are. Mm-hmm. That's the mm-hmm. other thing, too. Mm-hmm. You're not the only one feeling. Whatever you're feeling, other people have felt it. That's why porn's such a big deal, is because everyone has felt something. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're not, no one is coming up with the thing for the first time. Other people have absolutely thought what you're thinking. You just got to be the one to say it out loud, you know? Ah, that's that's great final uh, final words from Mary. Uh <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it is like, I, I, I'm with it. Uh, just, I mean, I do, you know, I speak on this stuff and that those are like a couple of the first things when people say, well, how can I see humor in my situation? The first couple of things, be honest and, and let your brain like, just, just write stuff out. Just free yeah. associates. Don't stop yourself. Be a, be open to being vulnerable because the more honest you are, the quicker you can deal with it. Right. So no, I'm with you on that a hundred thousand percent. Uh, Jeremy, anything else you want to add? Uh, what's the podcast you guys do in uh, OnlyFans Pod? Yeah. <laughs> Dueling fans. Dueling fans. Uh, in comedy, when you're when you're speaking about yourself or your own truth, it sure it sometimes it hurts when they laugh, but it hurts even more when they don't, because that's the point of being up there is to make people laugh and to find what's funny about yourself or your truth in uh, your own reality or what you saw was funny about it. And yes, when you don't get laughs, it hurts even more. So at least be gracious to those people who are being honest with you, whether or not it's funny to at least give them a smile because it's hard to do that Mm -hmm. to, to, uh, to expose. uh, I hate using that word because it's so, this, it seems like it's such a dirty connotation to it, but to expose yourself in that vulnerable way uh, is a gift that person is giving to you. Mm-hmm. So the least you can do is receive it. That's it. Yeah, I appreciate. And I appreciate when people are honest and, and open on stage about that stuff. Um, Honestly, those are the times when I have people come up to me the most. When you are like sharing things and you're, I've talked about my mom being a hoarder. I've talked about my wedding getting called off, like intense details that are dark. They laugh and some people groan because it's too dark. But those are the jokes that people will come up to you after and be like, I have been there. Like, I know exactly what you're talking about. Does your, does your level of vulnerability change whether you be in, you're in Cleveland or you're, uh, in a different city where you don't know anybody? Yeah. Uh, it's different because, um, hilarities, I feel like is my home. When I step foot on that stage, I'm, I, I feel completely in control. I'm super comfortable there. I know that the staff trusts me. I know that the audience trusts me. I know that this is my place. This is my home. I can be who I am here. Um, but also to a certain degree on the road, 
I'm never, 99% of those people I am never going to see again. So if I pour my heart and soul out to you, so what? Yeah. <laughs> like I can leave it all on the stage in fucking Ypsilanti, Michigan, and it doesn't matter. That's because the way people I feel, yeah. Are not, right. Because it's like, what do, you, what do you have to lose? What do you have to lose putting up some guard for people you're never going to see again? You might as well give them a show, you know? Right. Like, Worst case scenario, they forget about you. Best case scenario, you make a connection. Best case scenario, they say, we saw that chick who was funny one time. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. like, that's not, and that's, that's a hard reality to come to when you're traveling and stuff because you want to leave an impression. and You want to mm-hmm. make fans all over the country. And the reality of it is it's going to be like, no, yeah, last Saturday we saw that girl. What was her name? Where was she from? Columbus? Yeah. Alice it was a girl Columbus. from Columbus. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like not even close. Like, you know, but just yeah. take the risk. Just fucking be vulnerable and take the risk. And if it blows up in your face, then try again the next time. You right. Know? Right. You just have to find a way to connect it with people. Right. Cool. Um, Mary, any uh any anything you want to plug? This is gonna come out towards the end of November. I think the week of Thanksgiving. So my birthday's that week on November twenty okay. fifth. Uh, not that that matters. All right. Um, if <laughs> Happy you, birthday. Yeah. My, uh, you can just go to my Instagram, Mary Santora Comedy, um, Twitter, Mary underscore Santora. And then if you don't already, you can listen to the Alan Cox Show um, on 100.7 WMMS in Cleveland or anywhere for free on the iHeartRadio app. Uh, and that's Monday through Friday from 2 to 6.30. So. Awesome. Mary, thanks for taking the time. Uh, glad Thank we you. finally, we could finally get this together. I know. It's been weeks. I'm sorry. We did it. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Be honest with yourself. Uh, yeah, yeah. No matter, yeah, no matter how vulnerable it may make you feel, no matter how uh, destructive it may seem, there is always, always a way to laugh at that. Special thanks to Gold Knox Studio. You can find Gold Knox Studio for all your podcasting needs at goldenoxstudio.com. Uh, hit up Jeremy. He is fantastic to work with, professional. Uh, he makes podcasting easy. And uh, if, you're, if you've are been kicking the tires on starting your own podcast, definitely give Golden Ox Studio a look. If you'd like to weigh in on today's topic, follow us on Twitter at You Can't Laugh Pod or like us on Facebook at You Can't Laugh at That and tell us how you did laugh at today's topic or how you didn't. This is all about the conversation, is what I'm saying. All right. Bye.